Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. In this episode, we'll be discussing, so the craft isn't what you thought it would be. There have been a high percentage of newcomers to my lodge who have joined since um, I've been a member, uh, who after collecting their three degrees, attended a few more meets, then vanished into thin air, never to be seen again. It's about 50% in this case. Now, I know that we're in an era of ever-decreasing leisure time and that finding time for such a hobby is difficult for some, but I think that the main reason for the brethren leaving the lodge was because they thought they were going to get some kind of explicit teachings in the lodge of an esoteric nature that they didn't get, or more correctly, didn't understand. And this lack of ability to see it, I postulate, is the greatest challenge facing Freemasonry today that people cannot see the subtleties in the steganography of the rituals due to the vast sociological changes since 1777. Don't feel like you've failed as a mason there if you can't see them. It wasn't apparent for me for many, many years, and I'm no expert, so I'm not saying I'm an authority on anything. But it is hard to spot in these modern times. We live in a post-enlightenment society, and the questions that people have about the nature of reality and our philosophical purpose in life have been answered for the non-inquisitive mind to the large extent, by science. It has answered many of the hows, but refrained from answering the why. Is this a reflection of the morally bankrupt materialistic society we live in? Whatever your opinion, I think it's a fair statement to say that the intellectual zeitgeist of an era has seen no greater institutional mirror than that found in Freemasonry. The craft still stands strong, hiding its teachings in allegory, symbol and steganography. So how do you find them? First of all, nearly everything in the lodge is a key, and I mean everything, from the time we dine to the subtleties of the illustrations on the tracing board, to name but a few. Everything has a meaning. But where to start? Luckily, I know a person who's so passionate about the subject, they wrote four books on the series. <laughs> on the topic, sorry. So, Brother Earnshaw, could you enlighten us just a little, please? Well, I think I was one of these brethren. Um... It took me more than 20 years to suddenly to appreciate that the ritual was more than given in the monitor. And, uh, you know, I, I, I fell across the first thing that appealed to me was the fact and it depends, of course, on which ritual I'm using the web ritual, which is um, most of America uses the web. Mm-hmm. There are very few, a few lodges that still use a Preston ritual. Mm-hmm. And in England, of course, it's the emulation. But in the web ritual, uh, it states that Pythagoras exclaimed, uh, Eureka. Well, it, we know it wasn't Pythagoras that exclaimed Eureka, it was Archimedes. Mm-hmm. But that's in the ritual. And that, so then it's, I started looking at the ritual slightly differently, seeing if there are other things that didn't really make sense. And I started to find lots of them. Um, For example, a simple one is when uh, the Grandmaster Hiram is, um, uh, Hiram Biff, that is, uh, is attacked at the south gate of the the temple, of King Solomon's temple, on his way out. Mm -hmm. This is in the third degree, so I won't give too much away. uh, then he tries to make his escape in the West. And then the senior uh, deacon says to him, let's make our escape out of the East exit. It really doesn't make sense to me because 
if you're in the south and you escape to the west, the next closest exit is actually the north, not the east. Mm. Why go all the way around the temple to avoid being attacked when the closest exit is in the north? And these sort of things, you know, starts to these sort of questions uh, started to arise. So I think you actually have to look at the, the ritual quite carefully, mm. see what is being questioned, you know. Um, uh, there's more about the third degree, but I, I don't want to go into that here, but mm-hmm. there are so many things. And so um, I started to pick it, pick it apart, and then little by little, all these ideas started to per- to percolate, to bubble up, mm-hmm. and uh, resulted in writing a book or book or two. And um, so I would recommend to people who write at the beginning, they don't know what to look for. I think they should ask another brother, a brother in the lodge, um, who is um, well-versed in the ritual and ask him, you know, what is so special about the ritual? You know, where are the esoteric secrets? You know, what am I looking for? Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's a good starting place. I think so. Yeah, one of the first things that really triggered my um, interest was when I was doing my third degree and I looked at the tracing board and I could see pig pen cipher. And mm. I, I, I realised that immediately what it was and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, there's, there's something hidden here. Yeah. And uh, obviously it's a pig pen cipher. You can work it out in your head if you had a Nokia phone. You know, if, if you had one of those old dialing codes, if you ever sent a text message on an old Ericsson or a Nokia, you know how to work out a pig pen cipher in your head. But the um, speaking to the, some of the members of the lodge, particularly the senior members, they um, some of them got it, some of them understood, but they weren't well versed in it, and some of them were completely blind to it, which I found very interesting. In um, in no uh, replicatably uh, similar numbers percentage wise from lodge to lodge. So um, yeah, a lot of the guys they realize there's something in there, but they can't see it because they've 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 walked down the same corridor a million times. They haven't inspected it closely. Whereas somebody who's new to that area would instantly see something. They would right. instantly pick up on something. Yeah. Over familiarity has not been kind to some brethren in that respect. But yes, it's um speak to people. That's a good idea. You'll be you will be surprised. Some people know a lot more than they let on. Some exactly. people are very coy. Some people are very <clears throat> reserved, yeah. and um, that's a, that's a great aspect when it comes to to speaking about such things. But um, exactly. some people um, some people have done it a million times, and they and they can't see the basics. So um, and, and of course, you know, um, you should be able to also contact the Grand Lodge and talk yes. to uh, the Grand Lodge lecturers, or even access the library at the Grand Lodge or your provincial Grand Lodge. Mm. So um, don't just give up and say there's nothing here. You know, there's nothing here for me. Mm-hmm. Freemasonry mm-hmm. is very deep, survived 300 years. Uh, it is um, enthralled some of the, the best minds that there are. So it is it is worth the, the um, challenge, yes. Mm. And um, I find when you memorize stuff, or when you're doing your ritual, that's when a lot of these allegories yes. come to life. That's when they yes. really start growing exactly. legs and walking around and living rent free in your head. So yes, exactly. That's when things take take flight. Correct. Yeah. 
Well, that just about wraps this episode up. Uh, if you have any questions, please email on the link below. We now part on the square and we'll meet soon. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.